Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. Guys, I got a great one today. Uh, my buddy David Liss over on the Kona Shame Podcast. We are talking about his brand new research published in JAVMA on what technicians really care about, what keeps them engaged, what keeps them motivated. Tech Week is a perfect time for this to come out. If you're not listening to Kona Shame, this is a great call uh, to action to go check that podcast out. There's a lot of great interviews as well as short medical, uh, practical, super practical pieces. Uh, it's it's my other it's my other baby. I love it just the same as this one, but really, it's I mean, it's really good. So that's uh, Kona Shame. That's the episode for today. Got a lot of fun stuff coming up for you. Just so you know, I am running my workshop on uh, October the twenty fourth. That is a um, that is a Saturday. It's a half day workshop on getting team buy in. So if you want to work with me, and when I say work, I, mean, I do not mean sit passively in front of your screen and I'll talk at you. This is a workshop on team buy-in. I will put a link down in the description. This is open to the public. It is free to Uncharted members. If you've been on the fence about getting your Uncharted membership, this might be the reason to do that. You can uh, you can see everything that we have coming up. Head over to UnchartedVet.com. Click on membership and upcoming events, and you'll see the next year's worth of stuff. And we're always adding things on top of this, but we got big stuff coming up. The 24th, like I said, is my workshop on November. We have a two-day team communication masterclass, also free to members, uh, available to the public, free to members. So uh, just honestly, if you're just like, I want to do the the um, changing behaviors and getting vet team buy-in workshop half day with Andy, and then I want to do this two-day team communication class, you should get a membership. Uh, honestly, at this point, you pretty much paid for a membership. Uh, you're going to get a year's worth of other stuff on top of it. Get yourself a membership. Head over to unchartedvet.com. Like I said, click on members or membership and uh, upcoming events, and you can see all of that. On the team side, because it is Vet Tech Week, I am doing my first team training exercise on uh, Dr. Andy Rourke. So this is not an uncharted, uh, an uncharted event. I'll put a link down below, but I am working with feline behavior expert Ingrid Johnson. She is a uh, vet tech in uh, Atlanta. She does a lot of my uh, cat handling stuff on the Kona Shane podcast. She is amazing. She and I are doing a workshop. And again, not sit and let us talk at you, but we are going to workshop. We're going to talk about your practice and what works in your practice and, and uh, how things are done there. And this is on tips, tricks, and hacks for positively medicating cats. If you don't want your staff to get bit, this is a great workshop. It starts a great like, conversation. You can uh, have your uh, have your people do this workshop and then talk with them about how things are at your practice to really personalize it. It's made for that. Um, this is not a team training, just so you know, in that. It is not made for uh, a whole group to sit down and watch. This is roundtable discussion. This is uh, talking through the steps. This is people talking about their experiences at their own practice and how they do it at their practice. It does not work to have a group and sit them down in front of this. This needs to be individual. So if you want to start with some of your assistants, if you have new people that you're trying to get on board with animal handling and you just want to try out what we're doing, you can totally do that. I'll put a link down in the show notes as well for that. So that is Positively Medicating Cats. It is coming up. That will be on October the 28th. That's a Wednesday. We are running two sessions to help accommodate time zones. There'll be one first thing in the morning, Eastern time, and there'll be one around midday Eastern time, which will be about first thing in the morning um, on the West Coast. So you can uh, get all that information. There's two different times you can register for. If you want a bunch of your team members to, to go to this, you can split them up. You can have some come to the first one and some come to the second one so that it's not uh, bothering your practice down. But that's how we're doing it. Guys, that's enough from me. Great new research coming at your face right now. Dr. David Liss. I am running a half-day workshop on October the 24th. That's a Saturday, half-day, 
how to get vet teams to buy into what you're doing. Get your spot. November, uh, me and Stephanie Goss are doing a two-day communication workshop. Uh, Take a look at that as well. And then the last thing is, on the medical side, me, Ingrid Johnson, tips, tricks, and hacks for positively medicating or meditating with cats. And uh, I'd love to see you or some of your staff members there. Let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. Welcome, David Liss. Thanks for being with me to talk about your new article. Hey, Andy. Welcome. Uh, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. This is cool. This is the first time I have spoken about it publicly. So uh, this will be cool. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> it's, I know. I'm I'm super excited. Okay. Um, first thing, so to, just let's be clear about what we're talking about. You have a new article that came out in JAVMA. It's in the September issue of JAVMA. And yeah. it is called Factors Associated with Job Satisfaction and Engagement Among Credentialed Small Animal Veterinary Technicians in the United States. It's <laughs> yeah, mouthful. <laughs> in, yeah, exactly. In plain English, right. what is this study about? Yeah, so we looked at, you know, how satisfied are veterinary technicians, credentialed veterinary technicians with their job? How engaged are they with their job? And what kind of contributes to that? Are there factors that we could identify that might uh, be workplace things, um, you know, that, that a workplace could do to influence that? Or the CVT, meaning RVT, LVT, CVT, kind of that whole group could do themselves uh, or watch out for kind of self-monitor um, to, you know, to, to kind of mitigate their stress or possibly get themselves more engaged. Yeah, I, I think this is super important. We know that our licensed technicians are probably not doing this for the money. Uh, we, we need to get compensation up. I, I just think that's a, an imperative for our profession. We need to support our support staff. It's, it's rather embarrassing, I think, uh, where we are in a lot of ways. So, uh, no, but, but I, I think it's also important to know that our support staff are, are not probably primarily driven by financial reward. There's a lot of other things that make their job worth doing. And it seems like this was a very good investigation of that. And that's why I really wanted to have you on today and sort of talk about uh, about what you found. So this was a uh, survey, 873. Uh, when you say CVTs in the article, I mean you mean just licensed text, right? LVT, RVT? Correct, exactly. Okay. So 873 CVTs responded to uh, an internet survey that you guys put out in 2017. And just, uh, well, first of all, walk, walk, walk me through where the idea to, ca- to do this research came from. Like, tell me, yeah. tell me a little about how you met your co-authors and just what the, uh, what the, the origin story is. Yeah, sure. So it was part of my master's that I did through the University of Missouri. Um, it's the veterinary medicine master's uh, in biomedical science through their through the vet school. And I met Dr. Marie Curl uh, through that. She's an amazing criticalist. Um, she's now group medical director for VCA and is an associate professor there. Um, and our co-author, Dr. Tsai, who is a fantastic statistician, moved from Mizzou, now is in Colorado. So the paper was part of the master's program. You have to do a you know thesis paper. And it was kind of Dr. Curl's interest. It came from a study that was done, I think, in 2010 
by Moore and colleagues, also published in JAVMA, it's referenced in my article, and it, um, it looked at the team and team dynamics in a veterinary hospital setting and how those influence job satisfaction and engagement. And it kind of got Dr. Curl thinking, you know, what is the engagement amongst technicians? And it started out looking at, we wanted to look at CVTs versus VTS. Does getting a VTS heavily influence um, that? And, and that was kind of what the master's focus was. And as we started the paper writing process for JABMA, it morphed because the data just wasn't really good or clean enough to, to um you know, kind of work through that question that was a little more simplistic. So we we kind of zoomed out a little and said, well, let's just look at job satisfaction and engagement in technicians and credentialed technicians. Um, and then VTS kind of status or having a VTS could be part of those factors that we look at. Gotcha. All right. We're going to come back and talk talk a little bit about VTS or, or vet technician specialty in a minute. Tell sure. me, uh, let's, let's, let's cut straight to, uh, cut, Straight to the chase. Sure. What what motivates technicians? What made it? What makes an impact on their job satisfaction? What is um what is important for for those in the trenches to know? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I want to start really quickly by highlighting something that I think frames all of this. Okay. Our turnover rate in the veterinary industry, according to AHA in 2018, is 23%. I don't know exactly that. I think that probably means, you know, employees coming in, employees coming out, and 23% of the technicians leave after however much time. The national average is 15%. Yeah. So technicians represent 65% higher turnover than the national turnover rate. I, I can't, I don't have that compared to human nurses, but that's pretty sad. That's pretty yeah. high. You know, technicians are basically, you know, running from the industry at a rate of, you know, um, uh, you know, basically if you if you hire, you know, 100 technicians in a year, 23 of them are going to leave after, you know, X, X amount of time um, in the profession. Just thinking about, you know, having new students starting in vet tech schools or people being hired, 23 percent of all of them will be gone after, you know, X amount of time. Right. So that's scary. Those are scary numbers considering, you know, we're pit up against in in the turnover numbers against, you know, shift workers and, and all kinds of probably very stressful and, and jobs that are, you know, the gig economy and things. That's 15%. We're looking at 23%, right? I mean, it's 65% higher against some of these other jobs where people are leaving for no, you know, just going to another job or, yeah. or a job or whatever. Pretty scary. Um, so yeah, let's let's cut right to the chase. So who is more engaged uh, I'm sorry, who, you know, what What really influences? This is the meat of the end of the paper where we really dug into this. So the factors that are associated with an individual's being engaged in the job um, are having a supervisor role, which I thought was kind of interesting. We can talk about each of them in a, in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's, we'll, we'll come back yeah. and dive into them in a little bit more depth, but let's, let's lay them on the table so we can look at them. Yeah, totally. So it's having a supervisor role is what the, our study found, higher wage um, and having more veterinary technicians in the practice was associated with higher engagement and higher satisfaction was actually pretty similar. Supervisor role, more vet techs and higher wage. Yeah. After, that, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I, I, I think more vet techs in the practice is really interesting yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I, I mean, to cut you off. Go ahead. No, so so the flip side is the scarier piece. The factors that were negatively associated with engagement and satisfaction: working overnight, 
more veterinarians in the practice. Interesting, Andy. We'll have to oh. dig into that. <laughs> and, um, you know, across both things. So overnight techs and having more doctors in a practice, you're finding less satisfied and less engaged technicians. That's that's really interesting. Um, that's really interesting. Let's let's circle back and unpack some of these things. Sure. Okay, so we see greater engagement when technicians are in a supervisory role. Right. Do you have theories about why that is the case or what that really look like looks like in a practice? Yeah, so the first thought that we had was that's really counterintuitive. You know, supervising or managing is stressful and and you know might create uh, you know higher burnout and, and frustration and upset. But the way that we looked at engagement, um, is really a set of questions, and, and the, the respondent to the survey went through these, and it created a score of engagement. And the questions have to do with a lot of stuff like, you know, is my voice being heard? Um, am I being respected? And if you think about it, who's the practice owner or practice manager going to go to when they want the scoop on a story? The vet tech supervisor, right? Mm -hmm. They're not going to necessarily ask the, the you know, vet assistant or, or technician in the trenches, I mean, if this is a big practice, so there's some thought that, you know, having a supervisor role kind of you, you're already a little more intrinsically motivated to to push. And so you might be more um, engaged and satisfied, too. There's there's uh, the study didn't look at it, but, you know, you could assume that you're paid more as a supervisor. You have more responsibility, some of those things that might lead to more satisfaction and more um, engagement. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, is my so I I, I think it's probably two things, you know, it's um. It's uh, it's ownership, right? Like if you're right. the supervisor, you do have more of ability to shape the culture around you. You know what I mean? You you have the ability to kind of put your hands on the steering wheel because you have people who are sort of directs underneath you, and you know you can you can work with these people and you can kind of reinforce the things you think are important and maybe less reinforce the things that maybe you don't right. think are as important. And so I, I think there's I think there's ownership there. But the whole like, is my voice being heard? I think that makes a ton of sense with having a supervisor role. But it also flips around and explains why we might see a drop in engagement when you have more vets in the practice right. because you have more voices that uh, are sucking up oxygen. Right. And uh, and then working overnights. Um, you know, I I started my career at a at a twenty four seven hospital and the night shift kind of rolled in after management was largely gone home. Right. And then they were rolling out as, as management was kind of coming in. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, if you think you're, uh, if you think about your voice being heard, you, I think, I think there's a tendency in working overnights to feel very invisible. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to give a huge shout out here to our night workers or night. Yes. Shifters. You know, there are, there is, um, tons of research, nursing research, organizational, you know, leadership, psychology, behavior research, health research on really how awful working night shift is for your health. And, you know, and, and it's not meant to, to say that night shift isn't important. It absolutely is. And, and I just, I mean, these guys are probably one of the unsung heroes that are probably putting their, their literal lives on the line to be there at 2 a.m., you know, when, when an emergency rolls through and, you know, burnout, um, which is a term that we talk, you know, compassion fatigue, but burnout specifically is, is different from compassion fatigue. It is literally this perception that you don't have enough resources to deal with the demand in the job. 
what do you think overnight shift is, right? One tech, one doctor, and five patients waiting, 30 in the, you know, in the in the cages and a surgery on the table. That's if I've ever heard anything, that's not enough resources to do, you know, to to deal with the demand. And so burnout just, you know, shoots up through the roof. Yeah. So you know, guys, if you work overnight shift, man, this is what I would say to the employers. You need to focus on your overnight shift. I don't have the answer for you. I didn't do that with the study, but you got to give them extra care, extra attention, extra feeding, you know, because those are the guys that are super at risk for, for not only having disengagement and, and dissatisfaction, but also burnout and, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, look at, looking at what else you, you sort of pull out of the out of the survey, if more vet techs adds to engagement, then skeleton crew overnight is also working against that. You know what I mean? Like our overnight shifts are, are generally thinly staffed. Um, and I, I just, I think, I think, I think that that's great. I think that's really insightful. I know a lot of emergency practices really struggle to get staff and keep staff. And part of it, as you said, is the nature of the work. It is hard to stay up overnight, uh, for days and days and then flip back to a normal schedule and then flip back to a nocturnal schedule. I mean, I, I think that's that's tough. And I mean, a lot of people are like, great, I'm glad I woke up for my shift to listen to this <laughs> glowing right. account of my job. Uh, it's like, exactly. exactly. It's it's stressful work. And then it's uh and then it's it's I don't want to say uh the word in my mind is dead work, but I, I mean yeah. it's it, it's crazy and it's quiet. And right. it's crazy right. and it's quiet. And right. neither of those are super rewarding conditions, you yeah. know, in the, in the long term. But I, I just, um, I think that's one of the great challenges if, if you've got emergency personnel. Uh, you've got to actually go the extra mile, I think, to keep them engaged. And I would say that this research bears that out, which yeah. means we've got to figure out how to have, uh, and honestly, I don't think it's hard to figure out, staff meetings, right? There's got to be, there needs to be a virtual component where the night shift can, they don't have to drive in, yeah. but they can participate or it's asynchronous, meaning they can get the stuff. Uh, but, but honestly, I think having some staff meetings at times when those guys feel like th it's their normal day, I think right. that that's important. Just otherwise you really run the risk of them feeling excluded on the outside. And then right. that's when you see engagement drop and then you start to lose those guys. And right. the, the worst part of this is, um, in my experience, those overnight technicians are usually some of your very strong technicians if if you're really playing the game well, because yeah. you want a technician with you there. If it's just me and a tech, give me a tech that's seen a lot, that's fast, that knows right. what he's doing. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and then that's a tech you don't want to lose. Yeah. Well, what's interesting, too, about overnight is you when you have a good team, and I would say that that's probably a good amount of the overnight shifts. Doctors in Texas are good teams. They're good teams. I mean, they know each other's every move. Mm -hmm. The doctor is sleeping and the technician's got an IV and, you know, blood drawn and fluids going and then says, hey, doc, the dog's coding, you know, all the way done already. And then you kind of look at some of these really dysfunctional teams during the day at a vet clinic, like Dr. Smith, you know, has 15 different protocols or, um, you know, doesn't know you by name, but is throwing a chart at you. You know, that's a dysfunctional team. But at yeah. night, because they kind of have to work as a team, um, they get really kind of connected with, you know, what each other's needs are. It's a really interesting ecosystem. And so it'd be really interesting, you know, for anybody out there interested in doing a study, you could look at team dynamics on the overnight shift versus the day shift and figure out where, you know, they have to search for ways to keep control. Because as you said, crazy, not crazy, there's no control there. They don't know what's coming in. So they they create some control in their team dynamic. And I think that's 
that's how they stay engaged at a really kind of laser focused level. And you think about it, you know, overnight, a lot of times they're not really into what the clinic is doing during the day or like the bigger goals of the clinic. They are like, what's going on at night? What do I need to do? You know, how is it going to affect me from midnight to, you know, 7 a.m.? Yeah, I think it's really easy to get myopic um, right. when you're when you're there uh, in a small team overnight. Yeah, I, I just I go back to taking the extra time and effort to really draw those people in and make them feel included is is just a requirement for keeping them engaged and keeping them in the practice. Do you think that the supervisor role, um, and I don't know if there's a clear answer for this, how much of it is, is sort of being the boss and having ownership and having some control versus a feeling of upward mobility? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, I've always right. felt like um, I, I, I've i got a story of a tech I work with one time who just really uh, – felt bummed out and she was talking about leaving the profession and I really drilled into why it was very much about her not seeing possibilities in the future and seeing herself doing the same job mm-hmm. for the next 20 years. And she was like, I just can't do this. Right. I don't think that's an unrealistic concern to have at all. I don't think any right. of us think, Oh God, it's going to be a groundhog day for the next 20 yeah. years. Like that, that's not, that's not appealing. So right. I just, I wonder if the supervisory role, um, is, is, I don't know, just sort of affirms the idea that there is upward mobility. You know, I think it, it's really interesting question, Andy. I think it actually has to be both and they're actually different lenses. So the, my voice is being heard lens is kind of our, I need my needs to be met at work lens. And so the supervisor is getting the, you know, the the recognition from the owner or maybe, the you know, the manager or uh, being able to say, hey, I want to work with this vendor. I want to get this piece of equipment or this person is messing up. All of those, you know, voice pieces is kind of that that, um, you know, that I'm getting my needs met. But on the other side, you're talking about um, kind of factors that are kind of in a more in a more broad, like organizational development, like study sense connected to engagement. And one of those absolutely is. Um, you know, promotion opportunities or growth opportunities. So they, they, it's two different lenses of the same coin, I think. Um, and what's interesting is, you know, the study, we teased out two different things. One was what set of people with, you know, demographics like VTS or the age group or whatever are, are more engaged than others. Um, you know, so for example, VTS was connected to, you know, the, the group of VTS technicians are more engaged than their CVT counterparts. But the second part of the study, which is what we're, we've been mostly talking about, is what factors actually influence that? Meaning, if you're not a supervisor and you become a supervisor, are you more likely to be more engaged and, um, and more satisfied? And that answer is yes. What's yeah. interesting is on the flip side, if you become a VTS, unfortunately, we didn't find that you would get more engagement. We can talk about that later. But yeah. that's, I think, the point that says, yeah, having your voice heard having a, 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 you know, so it's, so it's both, right. It's like going up and having the voice heard that, that proves our study saying, yeah, you're not a supervisor. You become a supervisor. Our study doesn't exactly show that, but what it shows is that becoming a supervisor or having that title influences your engagement. It's not just you are or aren't, it's you're more engaged if you're a supervisor. Gotcha. Let, let's go ahead and unpack the VTS thing right now. Cause that was the biggest surprise for me in this sure. study yeah. is that our specialty technicians did not shake out as being uniformly more engaged, which I, I did not see that. I assumed that when you've got someone and they've got enough specialty technician uh, credential, 
they are doing something that they are really passionate about. You know what I mean? That they're just going to have right. a deeper level of engagement. But that's not what you've found. Talk, talk, talk yeah. me through that. So this is where it's really interesting. And I had to get a real quick, I shouldn't say a PhD in statistics. That would probably offends people with PhDs. I got like a certificate in statistics really quick. <laughs> it's like, so in a happy world. Yeah. <laughs> so this is what we found. Technicians, CVTs that had a VTS designation were more engaged than those that didn't. We did not find that they actually were more satisfied, which I think is kind of interesting too. However, what we didn't find is kind of where the meat is. And it's, this is so subtle, but it's interesting is that we found that having a VTS did not kind of influence the engagement, meaning go, you know, increase it if you got a VTS certification. So we have a theory on that. Um, And this is the theory, and I think this explains it. So first of all, the details. This study was heavily VTS represented um, because when we were going into the study initially and the data we were looking at was we wanted to say, hey, does VTS, you know, versus CVT, what's the difference? And so if we, and so so our overall population in this study, there was an over-representation of VTS, like more VTS by, you know, percent in this study than across the country. So if we redid it and we just sent it out to every you know, we, 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 we tactically aimed at VTS academies, too, to get them to do this. If we looked at way more general technician representation, we might see a difference, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's kind of a bias piece. But okay. the, but the, um, the, you know, the other, other piece is that getting a VTS may not influence engagement because those people are already engaged, whether or not they're VTSs or not. Does that make yeah. sense? Like, that's the meat. It's like, I mean, I know people that have failed the exam two or three times or or attempted to apply for a VTS and never got it and just never finished up with it. And those are some freaking engaged technicians. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It, so we didn't really look at like that piece, like how to use the data to kind of solve that. But I think that's the answer is that you've already got a group that are super engaged. Um, what was disappointing is that getting a VTS doesn't add to your job satisfaction. But again, I think we just didn't, we didn't, I mean, that wasn't like, if you did a study just on that, you may be able to tease out different results. So we outlined in our study, some major, you know, limitations that we had and everybody does that when they do a paper, this is by no means perfect. So, you know, you take it with a grain of salt. It's, it's, it's one paper amongst very, very small amounts of literature. Um, and it could have been done better hundred percent. So, you know, maybe you do it differently. You find different results. Well, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's always the case with, with true actual research and trying to, you know, set it up statistically and really be, um, conscientious about what claims we make. I, I think you always come back with those things where you say, Oh, I wish we could expand this or we can always make some guesses, but you know, we want to be true to what, to what the data actually says. Right. I, th- I think that that's really interesting. The idea that your people who go on to V to be VTS are already engaged people. I, I think that there's something there with the idea that if you have someone who is not all that engaged going for a VTS is, you know, may not, may not change that. Yeah. You know, right. I, I Right. I think that that's really interesting. Maybe a VTS is a way to keep people who are engaged and keep them engaged and, and continue to, to grow them. But, but it's not a transformative thing to draw people in. I, right. I think, I think that's really interesting. Uh, the, the job satisfaction for VTS, I think is, um, is really interesting as well. I wonder if, um, I wonder if that comes from, from, uh, specialty technicians not being used at the level of their degree. I, I don't know. I'm just purely 
grasping at sort of straws here, but yeah, I would say, I mean, I, 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 I can't, we didn't, there's nothing, there's no data to back this up, but I would say that what explains that is whether you're a VTS or not, you're still a technician. And so your overall job satisfaction that's been kind of tested and removed, you know, the bias has been removed, the statistics, like the really neutral job satisfaction would fall in line with other technicians' job satisfactions, which is not great. I mean, the overall engagement that we saw across the board, so, you know, with without respect to all the different demographic stuff, 4.9 out of 7, meaning mm-hmm. they somewhat agreed to most of the questions like, is your voice being heard? Not heavily agreed, but somewhat agreed. And then also the satisfaction piece, which is a single question, it's just from one to seven, how satisfied are you, was a 5.4 out of seven, meaning somewhere between slightly satisfied and moderately satisfied. So not great, Andy, not great overall. You know, I'm loving being a technician these days. Um, it's not terrible. It's, it's it's on the, you know, on the towards the seven side versus the one side, but but not a lot of resounding. I'm crazy about my job. I love it. That might be something technicians say to the microphone or to other mm-hmm. doctors, to other people, but not what they want, not what we saw in this study. They are somewhere between slightly and moderately satisfied. Yeah. Which sounds kind of average. It's like my dating history, slightly <laughs> and moderately satisfied. Um, <laughs> um do uh do you have other um fields to compare to? Like I mean, is there other research, I guess, for other fields? Like, do dental hygienists, uh, are they on the same scale? Or, you know, are are there other industries, I guess, where we see that level of satisfaction? Or are we, I guess what I'm really interested in is, are are we trailing behind other industries? Or is everyone slightly to moderately satisfied with their job? You know, that's a good question. Um, I don't have the answer to that specifically. What we did was we... um, Looked, we looked heavily at human nursing research, um, and the the majority of the stuff that we kind of used as our you know research backup was the factors that influence job satisfaction. So uh, the factors that influence job sat amongst RNs, for example, are inadequate pay, um, excessive workload, staffing shortages, management conflicts, uh, poor scheduling. Team, team, teamwork and coworker interactions as well. So we looked at the factors. I don't have um, uh, an answer to like what's the what's the numerical score, but I guarantee you, um, and this can be something that we follow up on and maybe you know comment on and you know to the viewers is if we did some studies on PubMed or some searches on PubMed for job satisfaction scores amongst nurses, we could probably tease out something that's that's pretty relevant and gives us a a, a score. Um, you know, and we could turn it into a one to seven scale and see, mm-hmm. um, you know, my guess is thinking about the, uh, the, the, the reasons you'd become a nurse, right. Or a technician, you know, you, you love the animals. You've got a lot of empathy. You're mild, you know, you're moderately interested in clinical skills. You, you weigh, you know, maybe becoming a doctor veterinarian against what you can do or what you want to do, but it's probably going to be pretty similar, um, you know, in terms of satisfaction and engagement, 
burnout, turnover, those things are, are, are slightly different. And so I, I, you know, we, you know, they, it could be, I, I might be higher amongst vet techs, the level of burnout, uh, because they just don't have as many resources, I think, as human nurses do. But I, I would guarantee, I, I would think that the satisfaction engagement might be similar, because it's a, it's a, there, there's some intrinsic factors that are similar to that job in terms of why they go into it and, and the type of personality that might be attracted. You know, a lot of vet techs leave the profession, our profession, to go become nurses. And so they, mm-hmm. they stay over linear kind of track. Gotcha. No, I, I agree. I just, I just, I just think that's interesting. It's, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. what is, what is good? What is standard? Um, right. you know, right. that's a good point. I mean, it, benchmark, benchmark is 5.4, then we're doing well if the benchmark. Is, yeah, exactly. Right. I just, uh, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. What, why do you think that a higher number of veterinarians in the practice correlates to lower satisfaction or engagement? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Um, so we have a couple of thoughts on that too. You know, our study again being highly BTS, um, you know, a higher number of BTS representation. We then led us to believe that there may have been a higher level of um, kind of twenty four seven specialty facilities. Uh, where they would have a BTS, and that led us to believe that we have a larger number of doctors, which may include interns and residents that have first crack at procedures, um, are the ones that are going to be quizzed in rounds. You know, some of these things that VTSs might be, you know, interested in doing or or, or feeling like they're underutilized part of that. Um, so there, there's kind of there, there's kind of the skills and 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 piece, you know, to it. The other thought was, I think, is exactly what you said earlier, which is more voices. Um, You know, when you are, uh, you know, one employee of 150, regardless of your credentialing status or any of that stuff, very different when you're a one of seven. You know, Mm -hmm. the the person screaming at the bottom of the cliff, you know, trying to scream upwards won't be heard. But if, you know, there's five of you in a room and one's talking really loudly, you're going to hear that person. So it probably has to do a little bit of the drowning out effect, you know, and unfortunately yeah. with veterinarians, as you mentioned too, um, you know, when you have a one doctor, like, like let's say a one or two doctor practice and let's say five or six technicians, that tech saying, you know, Hey doc, I think that the, the dog needs this medication or you got to get on this or the dog's blood pressure is dropping or whatever is going to be perceived as, man, I'm the one that caught that. I'm the only one that caught that. I can see these things for, you know, for what they are. Whereas if you have, 50 technicians on a floor and 30, you know, senior clinicians that are overseeing stuff. If you say, Hey doc, the med, you know, the, the, you know, blood sugar didn't get drawn at the right time. The insulin is going to be all messed up. You feel like everybody around you does the same thing. You're not as quote unquote special. Right. So then your engagement might drop. Um, And so I don't know, that's an interesting concept to think about, like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe at, 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 um, uh, facil- uh, hospitals with more veterinarians, we should be more worried about technician engagement and like more focused on that uh, to try to get those scores up. And maybe it's small doctor, you know, one or two doctor practices, which is what we found. They're more engaged. Like, you know, maybe we just, maybe, you know, maybe their engagement is okay as long as some of the other boxes are ticked. You know, smaller clinics would not be dealing with overnight shifts. Probably they're probably more like general practices, day practices. So you you get some of that bias removed too. These aren't the the less engaged overnight overnight staff. So um, you know, in, in interesting concept though, right? Why do you, as a veterinarian, think if you if you imagined yourself at a practice with thirty veterinary colleagues and um, let's say fifty technicians, and hopefully maybe a third or two thirds are credentialed um, versus 
you know, a smaller GP, one or two doctor GP. Why do you think if you if you were to interview both of those technicians, who do you, you know, are you more engaged? Is your voice being heard? You know, all this stuff. Why do you think one statistically might actually say I'm way more engaged at the smaller practice than at the at the large one? I'm curious from the veterinary point of view, what you think? Oh, and my guess would be, you know, there's just no denying that vets have a higher amount of organizational power in almost every vet clinic compared to technicians. You know what I mean? Like a complaining veterinarian gets more attention than a complaining technician, speaking in broad generalities. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not saying that sh- that's how it should be. Sure. But, uh, but you know, the the veterinarian voices do tend to, tend to carry more weight. And I think a lot of it is sort of the traditional role of veterinarians and um, and the fewer number of veterinarians. I, I don't know. Uh, but I do, I do think that the vet voices – tend to carry more weight than the technician voices. I think most people probably agree with that. Okay. And, and I just think, you know, for all of us, you know, if you're in a, if you're a kid and, uh, you're, and you're a single child an only child versus you're the fifth kid in the family, right. you know, you better believe that you're getting, uh, you're getting heard less with four yeah. siblings compared to, to none. I think, I think that there's something to that too. Yeah. You know, looking at the, at the survey results is interesting to me. Uh, we saw the, the highest satisfaction in one to two vet practices yeah. and then just a little bit less than three to six vet practices. And after that, again, these are, these are fairly small changes, but between seven and greater than 20, they were all basically the same. So uh, there, there seems to be some kind of a, maybe some type of a change at around seven vets is when, is when it's, and I, I honestly, I'll tell you, I, I've worked in all those practices and I, I, I definitely think that, you know, if I had to guess around, around seven is probably a good change when the culture sort of seems to change, you know what I mean? Right. Right. Like, like once you hit a seven, eight vet practice, that's a different beast than a three vet practice or a four, like a three, four, five vet practice are, those are fairly similar really. Yeah. Uh, in, in my experience working in them. So, but anyway, I I think that's interesting The the, um, you know, with the, with the number of, of, of vet techs, you know, it's, um, it doesn't seem to be, I know that you sort of found that, that more vet techs seem to, to make a difference, but it just, um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just sort of looking at it here. It looks like that, uh, once you get to about 11, 11 plus vet techs is when you really sort of start to see a jump in, in satisfaction there. Yeah. There's probably something in, you know, in, in, in there about like community to a certain point, right? Like maybe up to, up to say 10 technicians in a practice, you're high five in each other. Everybody's, you know, you're, you know, everybody's got the same, um, you know, uh, kind of viewpoint. Oh man, you know, Dr. Smith is such a jerk and this patient is driving me crazy and la la la. And then at, you know, at 11, you kind of get that flip into, oh, I'm just one of the, you know, one of the crew. Now you got to remember that this is, um, um, you know, the, the respondents were CVTs. So this, the, so the, the number of vet techs is their perception. So these could be assistants, they could be credentialed. And we didn't tease that out either, partly one of the limitations of the study. So 10 vet techs at a practice could mean 10 CVTs, which is probably like a 10 or 12 doctor practice, right? Mm-hmm. Although it could just mean, oh, we call everybody vet tech. And so there's 10, you know, vet assistants and I'm the only CVT. So we didn't really, didn't really tease that out. But, but it seems like, yeah, 10 to 11 is kind of that magic number. There, I, I've always felt that there were uh, magic numbers and sizes of practice, you know, and, and one of the things I see a lot in Uncharted, we work a lot with small practices that are growing. Right. And um, I always tell people a dozen employees is a magic number. Mm-hmm. And it's because when you have less than 12 employees, 
that's a small group and everybody knows each other and everybody knows right. their best business and you can just yell at each other. Like, you know, yeah. you're, you're generally physically together often. Yeah. And somewhere after you, somewhere around a dozen employees or so is after you cross that line, that's when you start having shifts that don't overlap a whole lot. You didn't mean, and just the fundamental dynamics change because now there's people who are not on your shifts or you don't see them every day and things like that. And I think as you go on, there's other lines like that when you say, when we hit this level, that's when the head doctor is no longer you're the go-to HR person. You right. know what I mean? You now have a manager who's doing that. So I do think that there are organizational things that happen that are correlated with size. And so I expect that those are, are probably the lines where you're running a different kind of practice. And I expect that affects your job satisfaction. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think it makes a lot of sense. I'm just, I'm just guessing. Um, yeah, that yeah. that would just be sort of my guess. I, I wonder if you know the way it works is that um, as a practice grows, when when practices are small, they tend to be a fairly tight hierarchy. You know what I mean? You've right. got the the founding vet, and they're kind of like, "This is my practice, and I'm here, and I'm going to say what happens." Yeah. At at some point, the founding vet is not there all the time, or right. you know their voice is even diluted by other doctors, and and you know what I mean. And there seems to be much more space for technicians to have autonomy as opposed right. to, I'm right here on top of you, watching what you do. And so I, I I don't know. Those are those are thoughts in my mind about why the numbers of vets kind of going up might uh, push down engagement, but then also why the number of techs going up might increase engagement. Makes sense. I mean, you know, the other thing that what you just were talking about brought up for me is. Man, you know, we talk a lot about treating disease when it's already happened, right? Like they're already yellow, they're already pale, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So if you have an engagement or satisfaction problem or you have overnight technicians at your practice, you've got an engagement or satisfaction problem, right? But what about preventative medicine? Like, you know, you're 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 a let's say one or two doctor practice. Your team seem pretty happy. Productivity is good. Not a lot of HR issues, right? But you're like, man, you know, I, I there's two other practices in town I want to I want to merge with, or I want to hire two more associates. Maybe you should start doing some preventative medicine on your team. You know, research what what influences engagement and satisfaction in employees, and like turn that on too, right? I'm going to hire two doctors, and I'm going to start a profit sharing program or you know a wellness program. You know what I mean? Like it'd be very interesting to kind of to kind of turn that number, you know, into a positive to say, look, we don't want the BUN to go up behind above X, right? Mm -hmm. so do things to keep the BUN below X. Well, same thing here. We know that adding doctors drops engagement and satisfaction. What can we do when we're adding doctors to try to, in, you know, to, to increase those and, and not get behind the uh, eight ball in, in, a, in a sense? Yeah, I think, that, I think that that's where the smart question is. I, I, to your point, it seems like the standard way of growing in vet medicine is do what you've always done until it breaks down right? and then, and then, and then have a massive yep. crisis, you yep. know, yep. drama explosion exactly. and, and, and then make changes. But yeah, getting out ahead of it, I think makes a ton of, makes a ton of sense. The things yeah. that I look at when I see this, I mean, they're, they're fairly, um, they're fairly intuitive when you really look at it, but, uh, you know, I look at the supervisory role and, uh, I think about growing people, mm -hmm. you know, if you want to keep staff engaged, they have to have some upward mobility. I don't, I don't, I don't know that that is purely the management part, which is right. responsibility, but, you know, I, I think a lot of practices have, um, have vet tech 
training programs or, you know, of that tech levels, things like that, where you can continue to grow and, and learn new things and get more responsibility. And I think with that comes more compensation. Right. So I, I think I think growing people and, and and having them have the ability to grow their compensation, that's not is not necessarily seniority. It's based really on them being engaged. I, I I think that's the second part. And the last part is inclusion and ownership. You know what I mean? It's recognizing that the vet techs are valuable, that their opinions are valuable, recognizing that their buy-in is extremely valuable. Right. You know, I, I just, I, it always blows me away how, how many practices seem to not get the idea that if the vet techs aren't on board with what you want to do from a management standpoint, how much you're going to struggle to actually make that into a policy that sticks around. And so I, I think, I think those are the big three. If you, you grow that person, you give them some, uh, show them some pathways to move forward and continue to learn. And then I think you compensate them based on that, give them some upward mobility where they can, you know, generate revenue for the practice and generate revenue for themselves. And the last part is, is, is ownership of ideas and inclusion in, in the, in the direction and the vision of the hospital. Those yeah. are the big three for me. Yeah. hundred percent. 100% agree. <laughs> cool, man. Well, thanks for jumping on and talking with me about this. Have you got any last words, any uh, parting wisdom? Gosh, um, you know, I think that, that this is the, the first study that we know of of this kind. And so I just encourage um, anybody who's a, kind of a budding researcher to think about, you know, taking some of the nuggets from this and doing some, you know, doing some research of themselves, put together a survey that's really maybe focused on something like, you know, five-year-out CBTs and their engagement or, you know, whatever it is. And uh, let's get it published. Let's build, you know, a library of this kind of information that'll give the industry more tools. Um, and as technicians, look, when we have studies like this and we go to our employer and say, you know, um, in this pay range, everybody's more engaged and more more attentive and, and you know, more connected that's what I'd like to earn. And it's again, it's against this benchmark of national, whatever, um, you know, you get a lot out of that. And I think we're going to see more engaged, productive teams, less turnover, less cost for turnover. So Andy, listen, appreciate it. Um, you know, as always, you're, you're such a trailblazer. And so in two seconds, you were like, let's get on and do a podcast. And so I appreciate the time to, you know, have, have a platform to talk about this study that was, that was really fun to do. Dr. Curl, Dr. Tsai, thank you both. Um, you know, can't do it without mentors and partners. So thanks. Appreciate it. Well, I'll put a link to the uh, to the research in the show notes. It's actually really great that Javma made this uh, open access so everybody can read it. Uh, I, th I think that that's fantastic. So I'll put a link there. Guys, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, David, thanks for being here, man. I always appreciate it. Anytime. See you guys. And that's what we got for you. I hope you enjoy the episode. Quick to the point. David List is amazing. This is helpful research. I want you guys to think about this, right? Uh, staff retention is critically important, especially now that COVID is crazy and everybody is stressed. I want you to hold on to, to your great staff members. I want them to be happy. I want them to be engaged so that you're getting the best out of your people. That's what this episode was all about. Check out the Kona Shane podcast if you liked it. Um, and I'd love to see you at some of our Uncharted events coming up. And I say that, uh, one, because it's true, and two, because we just finished the GSD conference and guys, it was so good it was so good i just um i love it i love uncharted events i just love them so much they are the most wonderful things uh that i've ever done professionally and i want you to experience them so anyway take care of yourselves i hope to see you guys sometime soon bye